petitions of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome. Glad you're here. Good to be back. Thank you, Father Tom and crew, for holding the fort. Well, this is the first Sunday of Epiphany, so happy Epiphany. Uh, Epiphany is kind of the poor relation to the church. It's kind of like having your birthday near Christmas. You know, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. But uh, it's a great season of the year. This is the first Sunday of Epiphany, and it's always white because it's the baptism of Jesus. But the rest of the Sundays in Epiphany is green. And that's, a, that's the color of growth and of, of new life and new beginnings. And uh, Epiphany always comes at the beginning of the start of a new year. And I'm hoping we're going to have a really good new year uh, for 2023. Big idea today is the baptism of Jesus opens the doors of heaven for all who believe. The baptism of Jesus opens the doors of heaven for all who believe. And Epiphany celebrates the revelation of Christ to the world. The Greek word in Greek means show forth or reveal. And today it's Jesus' baptism. And then we're going to have, we have five Sundays of miracles. And then that last Sunday of Epiphany, it's the transfiguration. This is how it always works. I call it Jesus' coming out party in a way. And it's like bookends because today the voice speaks, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, the voice says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But it adds, listen to him. And who is he standing there with? He's standing there with Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. And so God adds that, listen to him. He takes precedence over the law and the prophets. So it's like, it's like bookends, the season of Epiphany. This is, uh, I like to call Epiphany, Jesus' coming out party in a way. Opening uh, line today could be translated, then Jesus makes his appearance his first official act in the gospel. Up until now, he's been a child. We don't really know much about him. We have a little interlude where they go to Jerusalem for a feast, and then the, they're on their way home, and they realize about a day into the trip home he's not there, so they rush back, and he's educating all the, the leaders, you know, and uh, asks his parents, you got a problem? I'm sorry, did I? First thing is, his first official act is to go down with us. This is the miracle of humility. There's no entourage. There's no trumpets. There's no caravans. No, it's none of that. He's just going down. He's going to be with us. He's humble. I remember, remember one time going to a birthday party for a five-year-old, and there was an African bishop with me, and the father of the son of the boy had asked me if I could come say a prayer. I said, sure. So we drove over there, you know. And I got out of the car, and there's cars everywhere. There's a huge tent, and there's jugglers, and there's musicians, and there's food everywhere. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, wow, this is amazing, five years old. And then I hear a volley of trumpets, and there had to be six or eight trumpeters. And I turn and I look, and there's a horse and the five-year-old is on the horse, and he's being led into the tent area, and he's got on a, a cape and a crown. And when he gets off the horse, he walks up the stage and sits on a throne. I'm not joking. I can't, I can't wait to see this kid's high school. 
graduation. I'm just like, what do you do? How do you beat that? This is not what Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus shows up in a very, very humble way. Mm. We know Jesus ended his career on a cross between two thieves. And we also know that he began his ministry in a river among penitent sinners. He identifies with us at every point. And John is baptizing people as they're coming out into the wilderness. There's a song that we're familiar with. Jesus loves me, this I know, for his baptism tells me so. Sinful ones who want to walk the There's another hymn that you're probably familiar with. The second verse of this, we gather together. Think about it in terms of the baptism of Jesus. Beside his true guidance, I abide. For this is Jesus' perfectly Now, that's the real word. Those are the real words. But think about it in terms of what's happening today in the baptism of Jesus. So remember, John's baptism was new. Jews were never baptized. Jews were sons and daughters of Abraham. He didn't need to be baptized. The only people that were baptized were people that were Gentiles who wanted to become Jews. That was, that was it. Jews had no need for baptism, and now they're recognizing their sinfulness and are coming to be baptized in repentance. John tries to talk Jesus out of it. Jesus, Jesus should be baptizing John. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm not worthy to untie your sandals. But Jesus says no. Why would he say no? There's lots of good theological reasons you could read why he would say no to fulfill all righteousness, etc. But I think it's to identify with us. The sinful humanity he came to save, Emmanuel, God with us. Billy Graham used to say, I, sh I really belong down there on the sinner's bench rather than up here in the pulpit. He had that understanding of who he was. He was very humble. Now, as an aside, just remember, a sacrament is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. And also, there are two what we call dominical sacraments. These are sacraments that were given to us by Christ. Baptism, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and Holy Eucharist. Do this in remembrance of me. Three realities at the baptism of Jesus. The heavens open, the doves descend, the voice speaks. And the dove and the voice say, Jesus is it. Jesus is everything promised in the Old Testament. It's the public initiation into the office of Christ, Savior, Messiah, dear world, here he is, this is it, this is what you have been waiting for. Now, whenever I talk about baptism or I'm at a baptism or doing a baptism, I always say this, so before I start talking about this, I want to say it again, baptism in and of itself is not salvific, okay? 
there's no magic there. God is the active agent in baptism. Real things are happening, but it's not a salvific event. Just because you have water put on your head or you get dunked without repentance and without understanding of what this is really all about and giving your heart to Jesus, it doesn't happen. Here we go. Controversy. Christian baptism is in water is spirit baptism in fact. Spirit baptism in water, or yeah, I'm sorry. Um, Christian baptism is water is spirit baptism in fact. There's one baptism, not two. I hope I'm not offending anybody. When you're joined to Christ, you were joined to the Spirit. You can't separate them. Let me just tell you what happened to me, my story, quick. I'm, I'm baptized as a baby in the Catholic Church. I'm raised in Hornell, New York, St. Anne's. I remember everything about it. Went to school there, the church, the priest, Monsignor Gannon, Father Collins, all those guys, the nuns. I remember everything. We moved to, and we moved to Long Island for my sophomore year. Don't remember anything about church. Then we go to Long Island, or to Lockport, New York, for my junior and senior year, most of my sophomore year as well. We went to church, but I don't remember anything about it. I don't remember the church name. I don't remember a priest. I don't remember ever being there or going there or participating. I don't remember anything. I asked my sister once, did we go to church? In Lock she said, what are you talking about? Of course we went to church. And she named it, which I still don't remember. The file has been deleted. I don't know why, but it's just not there. So I graduate from high school. I graduate from church. I go to college, don't go to church. Right? Then I go get in the Navy. I meet this wonderful young lady, Kathy Golkowski, and she wants to get married. I want to get married. We get married in her church, the Episcopal Church. It's a big deal. So what? Doesn't matter to me. Off we go. And then we have Liam. And I said, we have to go to church now because we have a baby. And, but it has to be dead. We found it. St. Francis Episcopal Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, deader than a doornail. Perfect for me. Perfect. And then we go to California, I break a leg, blah, blah, blah. And then we wind up going to um, Poco. I want, I'm at Patrick Air Force Base. And we join this St. Mark's Episcopal Church. And I wind up going on a crusade for an Anglican fourth day. And my life changes. I give my life to Jesus. My eyes are opened. I, I, I peel back. I said, how long has this been going on? Why wasn't I informed? It's, I'm, I'm, it's different. I'm a saved Christian. Holy cow, who knew? And then I finish up my Navy career, and I go to seminary, and somebody comes, talks about the Holy Spirit, and I went, wow, I want some of that. So the next morning, I'm down in the lower part of the seminary there, the basement or whatever, and a bunch of people crowd around me, including this one. And pray for me. And here's my point in telling you all this story. There was a release of the Holy Spirit that had been in me since my baptism. 
the Holy Spirit entered me in my baptism. And it did not get released until I was 41 years old. Then I got a prayer language. My life was different. And I, I, not only did I, you know, I saw things differently when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, but then I saw things differently when this thing happened. But there wasn't two baptisms. There was a baptism and then a release of the spirit that was already there. So the first great gift of baptism, it enables prayer. The heavens open up. You can see this in Isaiah, Ezekiel, John, book of Acts. The heavens open. It means God is opening the lines of communication. And Paul teaches that one of the main gifts of baptism is the gift of the Spirit, which enables believers to pray. I remember when I was doing clinical pastoral education, CPE. This is something you do in seminary for a whole summer. And you go to a hospital all day long, and you visit with patients. But you also have these group meetings and you sit in a circle and you talk about stuff. And you have a leader. And this guy, his name was Phil, and he was a chaplain at the hospital. And he was a Lutheran pastor. And he said, prayers don't go anywhere. Prayer, prayers are a placebo. They just make you feel better. But they don't do anything. Nobody's hearing them. Can you believe this? And they're paying this guy, you know. And I beg to differ. I beg to differ. He said, well, you can pray for people when you go visit them, but this is not doing anything. And we all have the same attitude toward Phil and other, other things. Um, some of you may have seen uh, last Monday there was a, a football player that was injured on the field, and you saw the reaction of the players where they held hands together and prayed. And they were praying. This wasn't, this wasn't some joke. This, they were praying. And I think yesterday the Bengals and the Titans all got together as, as teams together on the field before the game, and they prayed. And then something amazing happened. An ESPN commentator actually prayed on the air, okay? Um, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm -hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like... This is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say, like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want it's just on my heart that I want to pray for It is. Damar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that your God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad, we're angry, um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace, if we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 That went viral. That went all over the place in a good way, in a positive way for most people. I think somebody told me today that Disney was dropping ESPN because of the prayer. 
I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's true. But, but it went viral, and here he was. He took a risk, and he's going, I'm going to pray. I'm going to close my eyes and bow my head. I'm just going to pray. And he did. And he didn't get fired. And I think of all the coaches that have been out at the 50-yard line after a game, and they get, they get all kinds of trouble. I see these players praying, knowing that their prayers are going somewhere, knowing God is hearing what they're saying. Something's happening, and I'm, I think it's a good thing. Second great gift of baptism is sanctification. This is the transformation that takes place. Holy Spirit goes down to Jesus. To stand under the influence of the Holy Spirit is to be led downward into the service of people, common ministries, common ministries of life. And, uh, you know, there's something hiding in all of us. Jesus sees us not only as we are, but as we can be. And he says, give your life to me, and I will make you what you have it in you to be. So someone once came upon Michelangelo chipping away with his chisel at a huge shapeless piece of rock. He asked the sculptor what he was doing. I'm releasing the angel imprisoned in this marble, he answered. Jesus is the one who sees and can release the hidden hero in every one of us. What is it that God wants me to be? Who does he want me to be? And he forms me and he shapes me. And this is the, this is the dove descending. In the next chapter of Matthew, we see the false spirit. The false spirit leads upward where he's with the devil in the desert. We shall be like God's. All this can be yours. Holy Spirit leads down. The whole ministry of Jesus proves this. The least of these, Deacon Karen calls them the lots, the least of these that, that people minister to. The third great gift of baptism is adoption. First is the ability to relate to the Father. Heavens open up. The second is the sanctification, the dove descending. As a third is adoption, the voice from heaven. Jesus' baptism is actually like his ordination. Ours is our adoption into the family of God. God really wants us in his family. You are my priceless child. I am deeply pleased with you. Someone once said that the true meaning of baptism is that God likes us. In the simple service, we get more than a wet forehead. We become adopted children of God. Heaven is opened above us. The spirit is placed within us. The sun stands beside us, and the creature is home at last in the family of God. This gets us back to infant baptism. In our tradition, we baptize babies, right? Where faith is not sustained in the hearts of the children, the gifts really given by God are left unused in an unopened section of the heart. Gifts can be rejected, and they are rejected by many. This is where the parents come in. So before a child is baptized, we meet and we talk about what this really means and what the expectation is. Sometimes grandparents will call me and want me to do a sort of behind-the-scenes baptism for a child just to be on the safe side. They believe that baptism in and of itself is salvific, and as long as you, you have the water on the head and the priest says a prayer, it's all good. You're done. No need anymore. That's not how it works. That seed that is planted in baptism needs to be nurtured, watered, fertilized so that it grows into what God intended it to be. 
And when faith is maintained and confirmed, the Spirit is alive, and we walk in faith in a new life of grace. God turns to us in a divine delivery system. We call those the sacraments. In this case, it's baptism. The invitation to re-receive the gifts previously given to the people of God then happens again and again, over and over in the word preached in the Holy Eucharist with our gospel message of faith and repentance. So let us stand, embrace our baptismal vows once again. Please stand. Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior? Do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? Do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? May it be so. We're going to pray a video. Please remain standing, and if you feel like singing, feel free. Oh, 
Book of Common Prayer and turn to page 304. 304 is the baptismal covenant. So rather than the Nicene Creed this morning, we'll say the Apostles' Creed. All right? And we'll do it the way we usually do it at baptism. Ready? 304. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? 